We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds for many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples, whose footsteps mark this land and whose presence continue to enrich our vibrant community. Hello, and welcome back to Research Recasted, the knowledge mobilization podcast. I'm Brittany Eklund, and I'm here with Dylan Cave, and this summer we're taking some time to catch up with last season's researchers. Today we're following up with episode two researchers Isabel Sperano and Robert Andruco on their video game project Life on the Edge, as well as their ongoing work with the city of Edmonton. We highly recommend that you go back and give the episode a listen before diving in today's new follow-up episode. So thank you so much for joining us again. Um, yeah, how is everything going? Well, yeah, it's going going well, going fast. Um, yeah spring lots of, lots of researched projects lots of lots mm-hmm. of things going on but yeah good yeah. um <laughs> yeah so life on the edge um last time we spoke the game was still in development um can you tell us all about where is it where is it at now has it launched officially um not officially but um it will be um we're working on uh the steam platform so it will be published soon in a few weeks so normally oh you know when when the podcast air normally will be will be published um, well we, i think know. we should clear it. so i we may have to adjust that date uh, okay yeah. <laughs> Just because of um, we want to time the launch, the Steam launch, with doing a public launch, and when we do that public launch, will depend on um, just a bunch of factors. But yeah, we we want to do a big public launch, and so it's either going to be in the next month, but it possibly could be uh, in the fall. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but we're we're working on this now. For uh, we have um, it's Mac and PC, so it's both yeah both platforms. So. Awesome. And yeah, what has it been like working uh, last time we spoke, I think was almost a year ago. So how long has the project been going on now? Um, well, for the last year, it's been mainly kind of debugging and working kind of the fine, finer details. And also uh, in the spring, it's just building everything for, for Steam that it's been a little bit... Um, longer than than we thought you know you have to create icons and headers and all but a bunch of stuff um for it to be published so yeah we were also waiting on to see whether or not we had uh, a textbook publisher that would want to take up the game and be a publisher of the game and so we actually were waiting throughout i think half of this year to get a definitive answer and so in the end um we didn't get any takers and so now we're going to self-publish and so that was really the biggest um we were just kind of playing more of a waiting game because really a lot of these technical things they were quite small Mm -hmm. and um really not that complicated um and then over the last year we've been starting uh an an additional research project testing the effectiveness of this game um yeah with a researcher at concordia university um that uh, actually isabel had um uh, knew through um another colleague Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, this uh, professor, she um, uh, she studies in um, educational technology. So um, they, I don't know exactly all, all the details, but um, they run the courses, um, the biology courses um, in you know in the fall and in the winter. And they students played the game, and some stu- some students um, in some classes they didn't played the game so they were kind of the control control group and the others played the game and they um they did some assessment on uh, on learning so we don't have 
um, the results of the data. The data has been collected, but um, I know that, yeah, she's um, the professor. Uh, she's looking into into the data right now. Yeah, GA Bong, if we yep. say. And you know, yeah. that's, yep. a, that's already more Concordia, work than Montreal. most independent video game developers have resources to achieve. So, you know, that I think is already a leg up for this this specific game. They would they would definitely do like a like a you know a non educational video game. They would do con considerable testing, user testing, um, and uh, in our case, this is we're we're testing the educational value of a game, which obviously a regular video game wouldn't go through. Um, and it was really wonderful to be able to find GA because we don't have an expertise in um, that quantitative evaluation. Um, knowing the kind of the standard uh, tests that you would do to evaluate um, the educational value. And so it's been a wonderful partnership. And, um, and the initial results from the fall were, were, were actually quite positive in terms of the effectiveness of the game. Uh, but yeah, the full study is to come uh, that would include the winter data and kind of a full analysis of all the data. But so far, it's, it's, it's looking quite good. Yeah. How many students now have played the game or how many people have now played the game before its release? I believe it was at least six different biology sections, and each one had about 40 students. So we'd be looking at about at least 200 students have played the game. Okay. Oh, no, but, no, but sorry, half of those didn't play the game. Um, so it might be about, a, it's at least 100 that yeah. have played the game so far. Yeah, I would say, yeah, 100, 150 yeah. maybe. And yeah. like, so what far? is, I know you don't have the results um, from the study on that, but just you know, things that you've heard, what has the reception been and what are people's reaction to it that have played it? Mm, from what I know, um, you know, Ross would know more because he's the biology professor, but I think that um, students who like video game, they they really like um, to play a game that helps them to teach biology. The goal of the game was to help students see um, the interconnectedness of everything, something that you would not really see in um, um, just by reading a book or watching mm -hmm. watching a video. And I think that, you know, some students, yeah, they said that they, they really saw that. So, I yeah. mean, it's Good. cool that it's yeah. on Steam so anyone can play. I think I will definitely give it a shot because yeah. just the concept of the game of trying to keep this cell alive yeah. is awesome. Yeah. yeah, and it will be free. So. Oh, perfect. Yep. Okay. Free on Steam, Life on the Edge. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. The other thing that we wanted to touch on, which is kind of a network of research mm -hmm. or a research agenda, a word yes. that we learned on your very <laughs> first podcast, yeah. um, is the work that you were doing with the city of Edmonton on user experience design. So can you walk us through the last year of what's been going on and kind of what's next and new and exciting? Um, yeah, so um, in um, when we started to work with them, um, we didn't have a very clear agenda on what we wanted to, to do. We wanted to collaborate um, research-wise and also find pedagogical opportunities. Um, so for the last, um, the last year, we had a good uh, pedagogical um, uh, adventure with, uh, with them. <laughs> Uh, so we partnered in one of my class, Interaction Design 3, um, we partnered with um, ETS to uh, explore how to improve safety in transportation. Which is a really big yes. topic issue right now. Yeah. So um, students, what they did the first half of the semester, they conducted research 
So uh, they went on the LRT, they did some observation, they did interviews, they tried to understand what's the whole ecosystem of, uh, of ETS before kind of trying to come up with uh, different, different solutions. Um, and after, for the second half of the term, they, uh, they designed a new um, solution or kind of ecosystem of, um, of solutions that um, could help with um, yeah, safety and transportation. And it's been, yeah, pretty good. The city, uh, we're very, uh, very happy. Um, We'll have an article in um, the Mickey on the Mickey One website soon oh, about the okay. uh, the experience. So if you want to read more about it, I sure do. Did you have anything to add on that, Robert? No, I wasn't involved on the project, but obviously oh, okay. I I, um, I I, I uh, watched the final presentations, uh, or at least a portion of the final presentations, um, and it was clear that the city of Edmonton were very impressed with the student work. Um, I certainly from the 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 that one and a half presentations that I was able to watch. It was, uh, yeah, just very strong, very, um, um, the students did a great job of um, responding to the specific need that uh, that the city was looking, at, that ETS was looking at, um, and provided, you know, like just practical solutions that uh, in this particular case that the city really hadn't thought of before and, um, and were keen on implementing. So it was really, just amazing to see that you have undergraduate students that can add value mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, to a real complicated issue. Yeah. So yeah. if you weren't on the ETS, was there something that you were working on within this big old agenda um, with the city of Edmonton? Yeah. So beyond the pedagogical uh, partnerships that we're looking at, we also last year continued with um, the, the research project that Isabel and I have been working on. Um, and so last year was the digital ecosystem map that we had worked on. Um, and uh, so that was, uh, we had worked with a research assistant, uh, Emily uh, Lenny, uh, and uh, the, the group of us worked with the city of Edmonton on um, kind of the next phase of us uh, getting a better understanding of what the city of Edmonton, um, what their needs are when it comes to digital transformation, uh, you know, which is a fancy way of just talking about moving their services slowly to uh, kind of a, a digital first approach. Um, and uh, this is really complex because they have many, many services they have to offer to uh, Edmontonians. And, um, and not a lot of their services will always turn nicely into, um, into a digital delivery as opposed to face-to-face -face delivery, which is what they, you know, would traditionally have. Um, and so we were really interested in understanding kind of what, what are all these services that they have? Um, how do they, um, what are the touch points that they have for all these services? So there's many different ways that they would interact um, digitally potentially on these services. So emails, uh, Twitter accounts, social media accounts, the website, different applications they had. And so Isabel and I really, we didn't have a very good sense of how big that ecosystem was. Yeah. And so we knew that this was kind of a first um, kind of phase of this research that we wanted to do um, was to really understand how big that ecosystem was and then maybe even start a bit of an analysis on that ecosystem to um, see, you know, if there's any improvement they could make within that particular area. But this was really kind of a discovery phase kind of project mm -hmm. where we really wanted to just learn more about what does the digital ecosystem look like now before we provide any recommendations on helping them on digital transformation. Yeah. And maybe just to add on to that, last time in the podcast, we talked about how 
um, teaching and research for us is it's really important that there's a strong connection between mm -hmm. uh, our research and our teaching. And um, what we did with the ecosystem map last summer, we learned a lot of things about how to create ecosystem maps, what they could be useful for, uh, what we can do with them. And in uh, interaction three, the students, they had to do an ecosystem map of, um, of ETS. And some students presented their results to Student Research Day. So, you know, that's kind of one way we found of, um, yeah, kind of feeding what we found in our research into, uh, into teaching. Okay, yeah. so is the exploratory part of this done? Is there are you guys taking any like now concrete steps to tackling individual problems or individual opportunities for improvement? Um, well, now what we're doing is it's a uh, it's um, slightly um, slightly different, uh, but in the same in the same area. Um, we saw in in our research on ecosystem map and on digital transformation overall, that there was not a lot of research on where design fits into digital transformation. Most of the research talks about um, that it's an IT um, IT problem, management problem, but not a lot of not a lot about what can design can do. What can um, what can we do if we take a user centered focus or people centered focus view of what actually people would need in terms yeah. of digital services. So what we're doing this spring and summer, we took a little bit of a step back and we have a design student uh, helping us. We're looking at all the digital transformation strategies documents uh, in, in Canada. So all uh, the, um, well, Canada, the province, uh, all the provinces and the bigger cities to see what the, what are they saying? What are they saying about where design is and where design should be? And they say quite a lot of things that we don't really see in, in research right now. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see that in the practice, it's it's there, but um, in the research, not a, well, you know, not a lot of designers are working on this topic. So, you know, that, yeah, this perspective is not really seen that much in research, so. Okay. Do you have plans to implement any and in, in anything? The, I think like like broadly, the reason we're interested in looking at these strategy documents is to see where design fits in. But we also want to ultimately, you know, be in a place where we can provide the city with recommendations on how they can slowly ramp up their design expertise within the city. Yeah. This is this is mm -hmm. not a an area of great specialization within the city of Edmonton. And so they're really looking to us to provide the, the, some recommendations on um, just um, cultural changes that they would make within the institution about, you know, how what, what does a design-centric approach to digital transformation look like? Um, and it also might even come down to, you know, like skill sets that are needed to help the city. So what are some of the, you know, when, if they're doing new hiring uh, for designers, uh, what are those skill sets that are going to be really important to provide that kind of design-centric approach to digital transformation. So it's like I would say the it would be quite high level, the recommendations that we're going to provide um, to the city. Um, and um, we don't, like we've actually haven't talked concretely with them about whether we would work with them on a strategy document. Um, so this is the, the beauty of this relationship with the city of Edmonton is where we we kind of organically go where wherever it's it's seen that there's going to be an obvious need. We will ultimately find 
there will there will likely be some practical application of what we're, work we're doing with them right now. Right now, it's kind of um, we're at the early stages of doing this research, and so it's um, it's kind of general interest for them right now. But I think at some point we will find concrete ways of where this will ultimately end up in either City of Edmonton strategy documents or maybe even HR recommendations. Um, yeah, so that's so it's not exactly concrete at this point. Mm. And at the same time, what we are starting to see with some of the analysis that we've started to do um, is that in the most advanced um, kind of digital strategies, it talks a lot about developing digital skills and digital workforce, digital skills for all the workforce that um, works for the government. And it's not only yeah. about having two or three really good uh, designers. It's more about everyone kind of changing a little bit the culture. So they understand this um, kind of human-centered view or citizen-centered or public-centered yeah. view of, um, of designing for uh, or, you know, creating um, better city for, for citizens. Um, so this is something that we're seeing. Oh, what kind of skill set would, would they need? What kind of and what can we bring to help um, on these skill sets? So that's kind of one learning. And again, so kind of links teaching and um, and research, which, you know, fits well with uh, yeah. what we're I interested mean, in. So. I think it's really interesting that in this work, it sounds like you're not only seeing places where you could make a recommendation, but like as you're going through it and you're learning not only about city of Edmonton, but other cities, it's kind of like, I mean, there's an opportunity here to even inform what do we need to be teaching? Maybe there's a spot where, Hey, we never thought about having that in a program before. Have you guys like based on now the last, has it been two years or just one? Two, two, Three, three years? Yeah, I think it's been yeah. three years. Three, yeah. years. three years. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because you're like, we're just in the starting phase. Yeah. So yeah. no, this is going to be a really interesting body of work. Yeah. But yes. yeah, have you already in the past three years been bringing in elements um, or has your teaching been informed now by your work with the city of Edmonton in any way? We, we've we already, um, like through the, these meetings that we have, regular meetings, um, We've already identified that there's potentially a, even a new course that we could add to our curriculum, uh, like in an ideal world. Um, <laughs> we, we don't know, like it's obviously complicated to add a new course, but um, the, the, the one area that uh, our students could really get a quite a bit of knowledge in that um, would fit nicely with the city of Edmonton and even the government of Alberta is um, understanding how policy and um, uh, kind of just the how laws are made within um, within within government that actually do have a, an end impact on citizens and navigating that is is quite integral to digital transformation. It's um, there's a lot of regulations and rules that you have to learn how to navigate as a UX designer when designing new um, digital services, and some of them are not amenable to doing digital service delivery well. And so you have to learn as a, as a, as a UX designer in government, you really have to learn how to navigate that. Um, and so this is an area that certainly within our own program, we can exp you know touch on so that our students coming out of this program would be prepared to deal with that. Um, and that also led that conversation um, and our general conversation around digital transformation has led to the city coming to us and uh, actually proposing potentially us creating um, educational modules for the city of Edmonton. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But this is very early. Yeah. We're but really, like... really early stage of the conversation, but yeah. And 
And in terms of informing our courses, well, in Interaction Design 3, uh, the project with ETS for sure, uh, it, it informed a lot of what were um, uh, the research informed the teaching. There's also another course, uh, it's called Information Architecture. So how do you design um, really big websites so that have, you know, 10,000, 100,000, 200,000 pages? And, you know, these websites are usually more government uh, websites mm -hmm. are really large organizations, so for sure, you know what we're seeing with the city, what their, uh, you know, what their struggles are, what their interest is, what their different issues are. Um, I'm bringing that back, yeah, to, and we're bringing this back to the to the curriculum for sure. Mm. And you guys, the 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 bachelor's degree program for design has just launched. Like it's been a couple of years now. Yeah, 2019, fall 2019. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we're still the best quite, time quite to a, watch. Quite a quite a young program. That's that's great. And now you know, with with having that extra room for all that stuff, it's great that you get to utilize some of this research in, into that as well for sure so um lastly we are running a, a bit short on time we're for this follow-up episode um we were meant to bring in one of your research assistants vic chu i believe mm -hmm. um so they couldn't join us today but we wanted to talk to you a bit about the way that these projects involve students um if you could both tell us a little bit about your feelings on the importance of having students on board and what it's like working with Vic on these projects. Yeah, we'll give projects. Vic a shout out. Yeah. Sorry you couldn't join us. <laughs> yeah, so um, for us, it's very important to include students as much as possible in mm -hmm. the research, in the research process, and how much, um, you know, however they, they want to be integrated into the project. Mm -hmm. And so it was the same thing with Emily last year and now with Vic. Um, Vic is also very interested in just the research process and writing an article. What's the process of all of that? So we kind of include him. We're working on uh, on one article right now, and we were working on we're kind of we were finishing another one. So you know we included him in that so he could give us comments and yeah tell us what he what he thinks about it so we can see you know how how things evolve. So yeah, it's been a really good. He's yeah really. Excellent, excellent student, and he's helping us a lot because yeah, he's doing a lot of the of the legwork. So yeah, we're really, really happy to have him with us. Yeah, working with the students is really fantastic. It's uh, at an undergraduate teaching university. It's so important that we include them in the research. Um, it's um, mutually beneficial. It's it's wonderful for the students to get experience on how to do um, academic research, um, and especially. This practice-based research. Um, this is this is research that's really going to be useful for them, whether they go into the industry or if they go on to do graduate uh, graduate studies. Um, and then for us, it's really wonderful to be able to get a different perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly, someone to help with the additional work that it takes to do this kind of work. Um, and um, yeah, so it's just uh, it, and it, it, it you know I think this also. Um, helps us refine our curriculum as well because we get a better sense of what um, what are areas that students uh, after taking our UX courses what areas they still would maybe need to learn mm -hmm. a bit more about um, and so yeah it's really it's it's just really wonderful to work with them mm -hmm. you know I'll I'll add a bit that I got to, I've had the opportunity to work with quite a few design students over my uh, degree here at McEwen and uh, you know I worked with a couple. Uh, design students at Bent River Records mm, uh, during yeah. my internship there, and from that internship, I you know we we actually had uh, Car Carolina 
Chiemi Odashima yes. uh, yeah. on, on the, for a student research day episode. And it, it just so happens that um, I had this, this grant project that I was working on um, outside of school uh, as part of a school project, but it was a grant that I got through Factor Canada that allowed me to hire designers to build a website for this music project that we were doing. It was a film recording for what we called the VAT Live Sessions. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carolina had impressed me so much with her work ethic and and things like that, that it was like a no brainer that we wanted to have her on board. Mm -hmm. So my project coordinator for the design team was Paige Prins, Mm -hmm. another, uh, another design student here at McEwen. She coordinated with more students. I think there was about three or four students from design that actually worked on this project. And I was so impressed with the professionalism, the quality of work, and the final deliverables that they gave me were so professional. They gave me uh, everything from a, a brand assessment at the beginning. They they you know looked at our competitors and what the what our competitors are doing and gave us this huge brochure that was designed beautifully. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they gave us a handoff document that was like a twenty page document with everything that they had done, anything moving forward that we would need to know to, to manage our own website and things like that. Just Very like, thorough. So it was extremely <laughs> thorough. So I, I give huge props to the, to the, what they've been learning here, obviously. Um, and that's something that I just had to throw in there. Like nice. it's amazing. I'll take the compliment. Yeah. It, yeah. Wonderful. It's really good to hear. Yeah. And well, that's been our, that, and that's been our experience as well, that our students really now with our program being four years, whereas previously three years, we, we definitely see that the students are, able to take on these more these complex projects and certainly the city of Edmonton with Vic is is no doubt a, a, it's complex and um, it's really wonderful to see that they they have the ability to take that on well hire me Q and design yeah students. hire me Q and designers <laughs> um, those are all the questions that we have time for today but any last thoughts or last updates before we let you go do we have last updates so. okay well maybe just um i don't know last year i don't know if we talked about the the minors that we were offering for digital yes. so yeah it's just yeah the minors are going well as well and yes. very yeah very very popular and um, yeah the, 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 the minors are user experience yeah, design yeah digital experience design yeah offered in uh for arts and science um students uh, bachelor of commerce and starting next year um bachelor of communication oh um, bachelor of yep. communications yep, 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 is yep. getting some Design minors. Yes. Well, yeah. that yeah. is digital very experience. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're there will be a design um, design minor offered to communication. Yeah, there well. are, we're also doing a graphic design minor for bachelor of communication studies as well. So there'll be two minors that they can choose right now. That's from. awesome. That's a really complimentary. Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. skill set. Yeah. So. And where where can people find more information on the program if they want to get involved? So um, now we have a page. So it's makiwen.ca slash DXD. Uh, if they want to see uh, whether they're from design and they want to know more about the, the digital experience design pathway or they want to take the minor, everything is there. We have a video that shows what the what the projects, uh, the kind of projects students can do. So makiwen.ca slash DXD. Okay. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us and coming back and giving us that update. Uh, Always a pleasure. This has been a Research Recasted Reunion. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for more follow-ups with our researchers. 
Please visit us on Instagram at Research Recasted to give us a like and a follow. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you like to listen. This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications at McEwen University. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Dylan Cave and Brittany Eklund. Music, sound design, and editing by Dylan Cave with research, copy editing, and scripting by Brittany Eklund. Executive producer is Ray Marie.